Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 56 of Unblocking Crypto. We've got a short episode for you this week to talk about some of the latest news in the past week or so. First off, Hal, thanks for joining as always. Hi, good to be here. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Coinbase. Coinbase seemed to be in the news quite a bit last week. The first one being, we, we had talked a little bit in the past about Circle going after Paxos saying that the BUSD was a security. Well, it seems as if Coinbase is kind of following suit and delisting BUSD. So it has caused the total value. I think Paxos is not planning on minting any more BUSD until this whole SEC allegation goes through, but it has caused a lot of the market cap from BUSD to move to everybody else, which is interesting that DAI is still not really gaining any of the market share, considering that it's probably the most sensor resistant of all the stable coins, <laughs> but it's, it's, it seems to be mostly going to USDC, which is pretty much, I think, what Coinbase is a part of, right? That sounds right. So yeah, interesting Interesting to see the stable coins still having a lot of issues as people determine the best way to handle them. Coinbase also released a new layer two. We've talked about layer twos in the past. What they did was build it using the Optimism protocol, which is built on top of Ethereum. They are calling it base. When they released it, it did not have a lot of good fanfare. So it had a lot of issues and of course, Twitter trolled them constantly for it because I think somehow they didn't have enough fees baked into it. So all the transactions that it did ended up getting reverted. <laughs> so <laughs> very few things actually even happened on it. But it is interesting that Coinbase is trying to kind of build their own layer two to help out with transaction volumes in general. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what should happen like coinbase should do that and they should have developers working on things like that because you know they, they don't have to be this passive entity in the crypto industry where all they do is sit back and and are, become an exchange the tricky part is one you're centralized and not open source so yeah when you come out with something and it sucks you're just like every other company and that that's kind of to be expected but two as long as Coinbase continues to be publicly traded and transparent and not do anything stupid and not over leverage and get into involved in these uncollateralized loans and all these other things that bring everybody else down, that's fine. So play with a layer two to maybe help reduce your transaction fees or help your internal, your internal transactions operate smoother and faster. As long as you're protecting the company as a whole and not and not doing stupid things like uh ftx and everybody else well it seems as if they're trying to use this to compete with matic matic i think just recently renamed their platform or polygon studios so like they're going after gaming and it almost seems like coinbase is going to try to gaming space and and this is what they need to do and we, we've talked about roll-ups in the past optimism uses op optimistic roll-ups ZK rollups are still coming in the future, which could do even more. But the OP token had a nice jump when they found out that Coinbase was using their layer to to build this on. So it's it's exciting to see. I mean, I think rollups are going to continue to be a big theme over the next few years in crypto in general. Last thing for Coinbase, they are. We talked, I think, last week where 
they were willing to go to battle about what was a security and what wasn't and how staking should not be considered a security. One of the things that they have recently started is a grassroots campaign for the pro crypto community. And they're doing this by trying to create almost a database for the 435 different districts in the US. So you can go sign up for this grassroots campaign and they will start sending you information of who to talk to and who are the pro crypto candidates in your district. So you can ideally vote for them moving forward. So exciting to see. We'll see what actually happens with that. It's it's kind of a brand new thing that they just started, but it will be something that will become more and more important as things progress in the next few years, for sure. Yeah. And um, talking about regulations and things, uh, reminded me, Gary Gensler had a comment during some speech, basically saying and confirming that his thought is everything is a security except for Bitcoin. I think is good and bad. One, I mean, it, it's, I'm a Bitcoin guy, so it's good in a way from a precedent setting standpoint. If I, I don't know how you could allocate Bitcoin as a security because you can't call anybody in front of Congress and you can't hold them accountable for securities reporting requirements. But on the other hand, you know, okay, Gary Gensler's not going to be the chair of the SEC forever. So when he moves out, and somebody else comes in and they can say whatever they want if, if that's if that much authority is given to that person in that in that seat again I, I feel like everybody's still waiting to get some more regulatory clarity on on crypto and bitcoin but the all indications are still that that bitcoin is going to be treated differently yeah so a couple of points from that perspective is when you do have bitcoin is the only thing that's considered not a security I still think that stifles innovation, right? Because there's nothing else that's pushing Bitcoin to become better and stay on top of that. The other piece to that is Gary Gensler can say whatever he wants, but it doesn't make a difference until you go to court and let the judges decide. So I think we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with the SEC versus Ripple. And Coinbase has talked about they're willing to go to litigation with the SEC. So Gary Gensler can say all the stuff that he wants to and people can, they can continue to force regulation by or use regulation by enforcement and just find them. But until someone starts going to court with them and fighting them, it's almost no one really is, knows what's going to happen. So, but I agree with you. I mean, Gary Gensler is, is temporary. There will be another SEC chair. Hopefully at some point we'll actually know what the real rules are and regulations coming from the U.S. government. You're starting to see a lot of other go governments do things like this. Like this, the, you know, the Biden administration kind of just came out and said they were pushing for a digital dollar, which is... I think the CDBC is not what we want right now, but they're trying to use that to fight against everything happening with Russia and other companies taking advantage of, I guess, what Elizabeth Warren th thinks were being held hostage by Bitcoin. Some of these these public companies, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But yeah, on the same line, Grayscale's also in a lawsuit with the SEC regarding their appeal to convert the Grayscale GBTC into an ETF, and that was re rejected by by the SEC. So uh, I listened to the CEO of Grayscale talk this week. Sounds like fall of this year before they get kind of a resolution on that lawsuit to see what happens. But it's kind of interesting to me because if Bitcoin as an underlying asset is too manipulatable to, be, to become an ETF, it's the underlying asset for the ETFs that are Bitcoin futures ETFs. I, I'm curious to see how, like, 
it seems like the SEC has shaky ground that they stand on for some of these rulings. So I'm curious to see what happens when the judicial system kind of steps in and, and sorts things out. Yeah, so speaking of the judicial system, FTX is still in the news again <laughs> with more stuff. Uh, one of the ex-directors has pleaded guilty on fraud and he is now flipping on SPF. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how that affects SPF. On top of that, SPF just got four new charges filed on him that pretty much all rely or, or all deal with legal campaign donations that it sounds like based on just those four new charges that could add another 40 years of his sentence on top of everything else that he's already been charged for. So it's, I mean, it's still a mess over there and it will continue to be more and more drama, but I cannot believe all this stuff has happened. And <laughs> the SEC chair is is very tightly aligned to him too. So I met with them multiple times. I didn't see any issues. Oh yeah, man. Everything's going smooth for SBF like a year ago. Like everything's rocking and rolling. He's got politicians and Tom Brady and everything else. And then as soon as things flip, man, they flip hard. So another interesting milestone. So We've talked about Ethereum being a layer one and they have layer twos that run on top of it. There, for the first time in history, Arbitrum, which is a layer two on top of Ethereum, had more volume than Ethereum actually did, which is kind of a big deal showing that there is a lot of transactions happening off the main layer, way more that's hap happening on that layer two than in the layer one. So that's exciting to see and I have a feeling that will continue to be the trend moving forward as layer ones are notoriously expensive to do transactions while the layer twos are extremely cheap. And then Solana, we've kind of joked that they need to put a sign up when they are actually open. They went down again for another 18 or 20 hours. <laughs> yeah, I think there's actually an interview out there, the Solana executive, and I'm not sure what, saying that he used to work at Cardano and that he didn't really like dealing with Cardano because they were so specific on making sure that everything worked and that sometimes you just had to ship shit. And uh, apparently that's what Solana has done is just ship it and it constantly breaks down and uh, no one seems to be happy, but they're, they're still figuring out a way to stay alive. So I think you can get away with that here and there, but you can't have an unreliable network. You can have an unreliable network in the very beginning and when things are gonna getting off the ground, but I mean, we're a couple of years deep into things being boring for Solana. You should be able to operate right now. You know, nobody's nobody's overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, you look at Cardano and they've gone for over five years without being down at all, even having some mishaps, but it didn't take the network down. Solana, man, I don't know if it's, you can go about five weeks at Solana without having something go down. So, I mean, they got a long ways away before they catch up with a lot of these other layer ones that are doing all these smart contracts. I feel like traditional companies like Walmart's website, Amazon's website, they go down way less often than Solana. Uh, to me, it's you're not. That's your whole business is keeping that network alive and keeping it running. Without it, you got nothing. So, to to not view that as important is that's a mistake in my opinion. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about regulation. France was in the news here recently. Their parliament, I think it is, just passed some crypto laws that will regulate crypto firms in France and will be pretty strict. And now it just has to be approved by their president. What's interesting about all of this is these new laws that go into effect will only affect new firms that apply to be uh, to do business in, in France. So the 60 or so that are already doing business will will not be subject to these new laws and they will be subject to whatever the EU decides to do and 
however long that takes a year two years even even longer we're not really sure so you already have companies like binance that are in france already i think they're about to release or they are releasing their binance pay so it's to make it easy to do digital payments throughout france to me it just sounds like they're making sure that the people that are there are going to get this first mover advantage and that it's going to make it very difficult for anybody else to come in and, and really challenge them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of that in France too. Yeah. Yeah. Regulatory moat makes it easier for people. So the, on the, on the Bitcoin side, they, um, the Bitcoin transaction fees have been high lately. The, the blocks have been full and it's not necessarily because of transactions. There's a couple of things going on between ordinals and inscriptions this isn't my wheelhouse so I, I was like you know what i'll try to figure this out really i got a good grasp on the ordinal side the inscriptions not quite as much but essentially the for, for the ordinals they it's a it's a layered software on top of the bitcoin network so you run your full node and you run the ordinal software so that each sat has a serial number starting with the first sat all the way to present so in the in a traditional bitcoin world every sat all the bitcoin is fungible so it doesn't matter if it's your bitcoin my bitcoin other bitcoin everything is the same there is no different value among the uh, the bitcoin where once you add serial numbers to everything different sats can mean different things and they can have different values kind of like if you had 52 playing cards and they were all face down they're all they're all the same to you they all have the same designs there there's no different value then when you go into ordinals basically now each one is face up so you got a jack of diamonds a jack of clubs a jack of hearts a five a seven and nine so each one's different each each card has a different value so that allows you to to assign subjective value to the sats you can you know it's something really simple like it was mined on on your birthday or mined uh when a president was elected or or at different times so so these things are adding a, a little bit of a twist to the bitcoin story and you know like everything like what's the real use case like it's just kind of it doesn't seem super useful right now but you know you got to think two three four steps away where could they take this and so that's on the ordinal side where basically they're adding a non-fungible element to each sat and then on the inscription side this is the, the side I, I hadn't had enough time to to really understand i know that it's tied into the taproot upgrade where you can provide more information in the transaction and within that transaction you can embed code and so you can start to start to add add code to the blockchain you can start to add value into that so I think next week I'll be able to talk more about the inscription side, but that side is adding more data into the transactions, which is making the blocks larger sized, which is adding transaction fees for the miners. So I don't know if this is good or bad or indifferent for the Bitcoin network, but it's it's something that's that's been there for months since the Taproot upgrade, but they're just now starting to kind of move along with things and kind of figure things out. And how to use it so i'm curious to see 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 where that goes but yeah on the or on the inscription side i'll uh i'll have more to talk about that next week it's interesting it sounds to me as they're taking and maybe it's just me that's had a lot of excitement about nfts and what nfts will be able to enable in the future and they're adding a piece of that into bitcoin allowing you to do something like that the other piece that you kind of talked about with the ordinals would almost allow you to track specific sets and where they move to 
since they have an individual ID number. So you could theoretically understand any sort of money laundering much easier with something like that than you could without it. So maybe there is an end game in the future to make Bitcoin. We've already talked about that people think that it's impossible to track, but we know that's not the case. It's easy to, to track. Now you can actually dial it down to an individual sat instead of just a certain amount going from one wallet to another. It's like everything with Bitcoin, man. What does this mean? Like, where is this going? Kind of fun to kind of predict things like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's getting to the point now where people keep saying we're in the middle of a bull market, which I still think we're two years away from <laughs> a top it doesn't, of anything. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a bull market. <laughs> yeah, just because you bounce 50% off the last low doesn't mean that <laughs> we're in a bull market right now. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are talking about Bitcoin going up very high, high numbers again. So it's exciting to hear, but it's, and it's still a little ways away. Yeah. I mean, that's fine with me. I, I feel like it kind of does what you don't expect it to do. And I don't expect it to set a new all-time high anytime soon. So maybe it will. Fingers crossed. That's for sure. Cool. Well, Hal, thanks for joining. This has been a, a cool little update and we'll talk again next week. All right. Great. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.